good to be with you today, and I'm excited about being here. One thing we have in common, I don't know you and you don't know me. But I'm going to treat you as if you were my congregation. How about that? I'm not here to talk about myself, but we're here to worship God this day. Little Jimmy, he found himself in the kitchen helping his mother make supper one afternoon. And so at some point she asked him to go into the pantry and get for her a can of tomato soup. But little Jimmy didn't want to go. He said, Mom, it's dark in there. And I'm so scared. I'm so afraid. And so she asked him again, but he persisted that he was afraid to go into the pantry alone. And finally she said, Jimmy, it's okay. It's okay. Jesus will be in there with you. And so, still with hesitation, little Jimmy, he walked over to the pantry door. He slowly opened that door. He peeked inside. And lo and behold, he saw that it was dark. And just as he was about to leave, suddenly an idea came to him. And so he slowly cracked the door open again. And he said, Jesus... If you're in there, would you mind passing me that can of tomato soup? <laughs> All of us in this room today, despite how much we might deny it and say it's never taken place, all of us have experienced fear rather than bravery and courage within our lifetime. In some shape, form, or fashion, we all, we all know how fear can affect us, how fear can impact us, even to the point where fear can actually paralyze us. Fear is a very strong emotion, and it actually can paralyze us at various points and times in life. But you see, fear, it tells us we cannot do something. It tells us that we cannot accomplish anything. I know people, I have known people throughout my ministry of some 50 years. You didn't know I was that old, did you? But I have known people throughout my ministry who were so afraid of being rejected or having someone to tell them no to them. Or they would refuse to try something new. They would be so fearful and afraid to even risk something. That they would just stay filled with anxiety. And fear. And simply being afraid. There was this lack of peace, this lack of assurance, this lack of confidence within their heart and within their life. These were people who simply refused to take the steps to even try. The necessary steps to succeed. But rather they 
decided to just sit back and let the world pass them by, just like the farmer one day who was sitting on his front porch of his shack one July day. And there he was smoking this pipe when all of a sudden a stranger came up to his house. And he asked him, How's your cotton doing? Ain't got none, was his answer. Didn't plant any cotton. Afraid of the boll weevil. Well, how's your corn doing? Didn't plant none. Afraid of the drought. Well, how about your potatoes? Ain't got none. Scared of tater bugs. And so the stranger finally asked this farmer, Well, what did you plant? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing, said the farmer. I just played it safe. I just played it safe. My friends, I want to tell you something today. That is exactly what far too many believers and even churches do throughout their lifetime. They play it safe. They play it safe. Just like that farmer. In the scripture that was read to us this morning, that Jesus' disciples, his very disciples, they were scared too. And for a moment they were satisfied just to play it safe. Just to play it safe. But you see, many of them had chosen to run away. Even as Jesus Christ was being killed in that horrific fashion. Could they have done something? Who knows? Who knows? But they chose to play it safe and just do nothing. Folks, that is absolutely the last thing that Jesus Christ calls us and expects us as His believers and even as a church to do, just to play it safe and do nothing. Whether you realize it or not, you're at a point in your ministry as a fellowship, as a congregation, during this time without a pastor, you're going to choose to play it safe and do nothing, or you're going to risk some things. And realize and believe that Christ was with you in the process. And those scared disciples, there they were. They were there silently. They were gathered once again in the upper room. Where had they had shared that final meal with Jesus Christ? The memory is still fresh within their minds. The memory is still with them. And yet, and yet, terrified to leave for fear of the consequences. But you see, the pain and the wretchedness was evident all over their faces. All within their behavior. It's so crystal clear. But you see, some of those disciples... They stood alone. They stood by themselves. And yet they were visibly shaken. 
and preoccupied with their thoughts. As things was rushing through their minds and their, their hearts. Others were gathered in small groups. And yet there wasn't a lot of exchange of words. Because Jesus... Jesus was the chosen one. Jesus was the Son of God. And no doubt their thoughts racing through their minds. If this happened to him, what would prevent it happening to us? What he experienced. Oh, there's Peter and John over there. They set off from their other disciples. They are to themselves. And yet they were two. They had told the other ones what had happened. They had seen the empty tomb themselves. And yet now it seems so unbelievable. Because of that empty tomb, it might seem surprising to us that the disciples, they are afraid. They're scared. I mean, after all, Peter and John, they had seen it. Mary Magdalene had spoken with the risen Lord herself, and she had told others about it. Folks, fear does something strange to us. Fear has a way of affecting us, of making us afraid and scared. These disciples, they were traumatized by what they had experienced and seen by way of the crucifixion. And they were even afraid for their very lives. And now a spiritual darkness, a spiritual darkness surrounds them, causing them to doubt, not only to doubt themselves, but even to doubt Jesus. Now the darkness covers the land. It crushes their spirit, replacing their hope for a bright future. And rather, now they're filled with despair, a sense of hopelessness. I mean, regardless of what they had seen, now they cannot believe their eyes. I mean, after all, folks, Sometimes our very eyes can deceive us, can they not? The disciples, they knew. They knew that sometimes sight is not always the best sense to use in determining what is actually real and what is not real. Sometimes our very sight can mislead us. And yet on the other hand, Something may not be seen at all. For example, like our breath. But it's real. And that is simply where faith comes in. What the disciples saw at the tomb, it defiled explanation. Causing them to to even doubt what they had actually seen take place. And yet they were about to experience a faith-changing experience there in that upper room. For you see, suddenly a fresh breath of air fills that room with the very light 
and the very life and light in the presence of Jesus Christ. Because he breaks through the darkness. He stands before them and he says, Shalom, which in English means peace. Peace be with you. Just as he had promised in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus gives to those frightened disciples his peace. His peace. For he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not let them be afraid. But you see, at that moment, for those disciples, their hope is reborn. Their very faith is restored. And as Jesus only can do for them and even for us, He gives to them a peace that will remain in them in spite of all of the world's temptation, in spite of all the world's persecutions. Well, you see, the world hated Christ. And the world will hate us. It's a peace that surrounds them. It's a peace that permeates every facet of their very being. And Jesus, he repeats the phrase, peace be with you. And lo and behold, he sends them out. He sends them out into the world to minister for God's kingdom. And don't miss this. He breathes. He breathes upon them the power and the presence of the unseen Holy Spirit. It's not something they can see. And yet, It's the indwelling, it's the creativity, it's the energizing of the Holy Spirit that causes their faith once again to kick in, to become real and evident. And don't you just think, at that moment, they recall the very words of Christ that we all know, for God so loved the world, that He gave His only Son, that whosoever lives in Him would not perish, but what? Would have everlasting, eternal life. The Holy Spirit becomes for them a self-renewing force, ensuring them that, that once again they have fellowship with Christ to whom He will give everlasting life. To anyone who believes in Him, who trusts in Him, who receives Him into their heart and their life. It's a promise. It was like the living water that Jesus spoke of to that Samaritan woman that day at the well. And the Holy Spirit refreshes them To the point, you will never be thirsty again. Can you not hear the words of Christ that day? The water that I will give to you 
It will become like a gushing spring of water. Gushing up. To eternal life. That's the power. That is the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And whoever lives in Christ and with Christ, and Christ is in their heart and within their life, they have this inexhaustible, folks, spring of water and peace that will linger. No matter what happens in life, because the storms of life will happen to all of us at some point in time. And yet, to have Jesus in your life is to have the Holy Spirit wash all over you with His atoning love and His presence with you. It's to know a peace that is far more than what we can even comprehend and even imagine. It's to know a joy that is much deeper and a joy that is so more than what we can even imagine. To know that life is far more abundant than any of us can even imagine and even know. To experience the very power and the presence of God within our lives. Can you imagine that? Do you believe that? It's a peace that's far more than the absence of conflict. But rather it is a wholeness and a tranquility that is a gift from God. Intervening within our lives as His people, as believers in Him. And bringing harmony into human life and attempting to bring harmony within the world. The breath of the freshness of the Holy Spirit, folks, rejuvenated those disciples. Their very lives, as God breathed upon them and gave to them life. You remember over in Ezekiel? Where God bring life into the dry bones there in that land. And just as as we know, he promised in John 16, 20, their life of pain was turned into a, a life of joy. And seeing Christ themselves with their very eyes that he was alive. Not still contained within the tomb, but he was alive. And his very presence was within their midst. It was a joy that was so profound that they would never forget that experience. And yet, there was one who was not there. Thomas was not there in that experience. It would take another week before Thomas himself. We know him as the doubter. We know him as doubting Thomas. Before he would see... Christ himself with his very eyes. Oh, but when he would, his unbelief would be removed because he too experiences this peace that he needs. And before we judge harshly doubting Thomas, 
Just remember, he had not seen, he had not experienced what these other disciples a week earlier had experienced and seen. Remember that their early fear, it demonstrated they too had their doubts, they had their questions. And as a result, his absence, his absence from being with the disciples, he refuses to believe. What did he say? I will not believe unless I put my finger where? Into his side. He wanted the proof. He had his doubts. There's a valuable lesson here for us. And here it is. It is difficult, folks, to believe when we do not strengthen ourselves by being in the presence of Christ, but also not being with other believers. We need togetherness in this journey of life. That's why we're really here this morning. That's why we need to be here this morning. We need to be in the very presence of Christ, but we need each other. We need each other throughout life. And as we're together, we need, when we leave this place today and we go back into our communities, our neighborhoods, wherever we find ourselves, we need to be inviting other people for Bible study, for worship. We want them to experience what we have experienced ourselves and what Christ has done for us. And we want to share him with others. And yet, and yet in light of the disciples' fear, I want to ask you some questions, right? Regardless of the disciples in life, what makes you fearful? What makes you to be afraid? What are you afraid of right now here in this room with other believers? What are the things in life that cause you to doubt the very presence, to doubt the very power of God, of Christ, that would cause you not to believe? Forget about someone else. What causes you to doubt and not trust Christ to the point where you doubt? One of the things that we need to learn this morning is that the very presence of Christ, it comes to us, folks, in those moments of doubt, in those moments of anxiousness and anxiety in life, just as it did to those disciples. He does not come, folks, to condemn us, but rather He comes to lift us up, to lift us up, above those feelings of doubts, of being afraid. And He desires to bless us with His peace and give us His peace that will linger throughout life as long as we're upon this earth. Because we need our relationship with Him just as we need our relationship with each other. 
That was his promise. That is his promise in John chapter 14 when he says, In a little while, in a little while you no longer will see me. I will not be with you. But because I live, what? You also shall live. And on that day you will know that I am with the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Get it? Christ in us. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. Christ in us. It's amazing. And so Jesus came to those disciples who were locked in that room, in that upper room, that they might be freed to serve Him. And lo and behold, He moved about them. He prodded them in their faith until the very presence and power of the Holy Spirit was no longer there. And in the exact same way, the risen Christ is on the move within our lives today, attempting to fill us with His peace that only He can give to lead us, to help us overcome those moments in life when we become fearful and afraid and we find ourselves scared. He desires to bring that to us and give that to us. It's a peace that will linger forever once you have it and experience Christ. A peace that fills us with contentment that will always linger in us because it is given to the one who loved us, who died for us, and who shall be with us always. Always. We are living in a world, we're living in a time, folks, that is experiencing more and more unrest, more and more tension, more and more fear, more and more chaos each and every day. And yet in the midst of all this unrest, of all this tension, of all this fear, of all this uneasiness, we have the promise. We have the promise that Jesus made to his disciples and has made to us. There in John 14, 27, when he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Peace. Peace is what so many people today need. And what people are searching for within their lives today. An assurance, a confidence that only Christ can give. Folks, the peace that Jesus was talking about, it means rest. It means a quiet stillness within our heart. That's what it means. It is not the absence of trouble. We're going to have trouble in life. It is not the absence of trouble. But it exists in spite of trouble. Jesus' peace does not eliminate conflict or trouble. 
But His peace gives us the ability to endure it, to get through it to the other side. It's like having this inner confidence that you know, that you know that God will get you through it. He may even carry you through it. But you know and you believe it's His peace and He is providing it to help you during those moments in life when you're fearful and you're afraid and you're scared. Challenges come to all of us in life. But just remember, He is always with us. He is always with us. But isn't it interesting how those closing verses kind of sting a little bit? Because he says, do you believe? Do you believe? And every one of us, at some moment in life, we will be tested. We will be tried to the point, do we really believe in him? Do we really trust in him? And do we know with assurance and confidence he's with us always, even to the ends of the earth? What did he say? I will be with you. Always. In these closing moments, before we disperse, let's have a moment of reflection of what we have experienced from the time we walked into this place, throughout the music, the reading of the scripture, the message. I want everyone just to bow with me and allow the Holy Spirit to move in your heart and your life right now and reflect upon what we've talked about, what I have tried to convey to you this morning, a peace which and can linger in your heart. Let's pray and reflect.